seconds, that's why they gave me my shoot to get water. Uh, I think what came to me was, uh, I personally and I think my family as a whole has um, grown, uh, has, has gained so much from having Nitya in our lives. And um, it really gives me joy to be able to, you know, have him come and organize these events um, and share some of what we have gained um, from having him in our lives with other people in this wonderful city that we call home. Um, so I'm really grateful that you all are here. And I mean, I think I said this to everyone already, but if you have not received an email from me, please do add your email to this sheet of paper in the back so that I can keep you posted in other events with uh, involving it. Thank you, Prerna. <laughs> and also, Prerna chose this place for us. It's a, it's a nice, good place for us to focus and connect with each other. So welcome, everyone. My name is Nitya. And uh, this evening is about the power of presence. And it's about us accessing our own inner clarity. And uh, it's a different way of approaching it. A lot of our education is about learning concepts. And today, while I, I will share a few concepts, concepts can be helpful. Those concepts will be a doorway into direct experience. And that's a different kind of knowledge or wisdom, you could call it. It's a way of coming, like we talk about, you know, a gut feeling, or I felt it in my heart, or I felt it deep inside. So the fun phrase for it is internet. You're accessing the internet. We talk about the internet, <laughs> which is about accessing the internet. And so today's session is going to be uh, some sharings. And from time to time, I'm going to ring my little bowl, ring my bell here. And it's going to be an invitation for us to now get out of thought and come into being. Right? So from thinking to feeling to being, again and again, from thinking to feeling to being. And that shifting, learning to shift gears like that is a really good skill that we're going to be learning today. So as we get started, uh, I'd like us to, just for a few minutes, so just sit straight, keep your feet flat on the ground. We're going to do a beautiful practice called the six-second breath. This is a form of breathing that you'll immediately find centers you, grounds you. Some of us will have a hard time breathing for six seconds because we haven't practiced. But do five seconds, do four seconds. So what are you going to do? You're going to breathe in, if possible, for six seconds. And then breathe out for six seconds. This will require you filling all the way down your belly, your chest. The entire lung capacity is going to get filled up. So breathing in slowly six seconds, breathing out slowly six seconds. You keep track of six seconds on your own. And we'll do ten such breaths. All right? So let's start. capacity. Breathing in a little bit slower.
take five more such breaths. Now breathe normally and keep your attention on the body. So I'd like you to inhabit your whole body. Experience your body from head to toe. Breathing in a comfortable way. Might be slightly deeper than usual. minute allow any tiredness anywhere in your body to just escape through the soles of your feet so if I uncap a bottle and turn it upside down all the water invariably escapes let all the tension escape through the soles of your feet and feel it escaping any tiredness in the face in the shoulders any tiredness in the hands in the chest and the belly, any tiredness in the legs or anywhere else, it's getting replaced by a sense of relaxation, a sense of being refreshed, feeling open. Focus on what you're feeling on your palms and the soles of your feet. And think of a time in your life when you felt very present, very complete, like nothing was missing. Could have been when you were a kid, could have been recently. Think of such a time. And in this moment, allow yourself to feel complete, really present really open
what's it like to be embodied? What's it like to be awake? What's it like to be really responsive? Embodied, awake, and responsive. Enjoy the sound of this bowl. Let the feelings penetrate, let the vibrations penetrate your whole being. like us to vocalize an intention, so please repeat after me. I choose to make this a conscious evening. I choose to make this a light-hearted evening. I choose to learn something of long-term significance this evening. How wonderful. <laughs> and there's a real power in making an intention like that, because then it makes it independent of what I'm doing. The moment you decide I'm going to be conscious, and I'm going to be lighthearted, and I'm going to learn something significant, then it actually doesn't matter so much what I say or what I do. You'll go ahead and learn it anyway, you'll go ahead and experience it anyway. One of my teachers, a South African man, was taken to a play, and uh, it happened to be in Hindi, it was not in English. So he said, why have, they, why have these people got me with the Hindi? I don't understand Hindi. And he's getting kind of irritated and frustrated, and he's getting really bored, but he happens to be a meditator. And he says, how fascinating, I'm getting, so, I'm getting so bored and I'm really resisting this boredom. What if I get interested in my own boredom? <laughs> and so for the next two hours, he decided to witness his own boredom. The day you get interested in your boredom is the last day you'll be bored in your life. What you resist will persist. The moment you enter a state of wonder, I say, how fascinating, how amazing, what's going on over here? It'll open up new doors, new possibilities. In other words, we don't have to be a victim of our experience, right? So we have a quick round of uh, sharing. Share your name and share a time in your life when you felt most alert, most present, most complete in some sense, like nothing was missing, like that moment where everything was in like high definition, right? Everything, everything was like popping. Take 10 seconds to think if you haven't come with something yet.
can go first. Uh, so you share your name, you share fun experience like that, and then we'll all welcome you. We'll say your name and welcome. So welcome, yeah, and your name. So my name is Nitya, and uh, one time that comes to mind is I was staying at a friend's place in Delhi, and uh, she'd gone out, I was alone in the house, and I decided to do a kind of meditation, it's called loving kindness meditation. So in this meditation, you send loving wishes. You send loving wishes to your family members, to your friends, to everybody you can think of. You keep on expanding, expanding, expanding. And if the same thought is repeated again and again and again, it starts creating a momentum. And we know this. If you, if you think, you know, how horrible my life is, after a while I have a momentum. <laughs> and you can feel that momentum, right? So same with this thought of sending good wishes. It got so strong that literally I just felt like my consciousness become so dense. And I remember the moment very clearly, like every, mo every single thing, it just like felt nothing was wrong in my life. And I was completely in this bubble of sending loving wishes. And I had a very clear experience of how powerful the mind can get. And that's my experience. So please say welcome, Nitya. Welcome, Nitya. Happy to be here. How wonderful. <laughs> and we'll go in any order, but no one's going to get missed out. So share your name and share an experience. I was interviewing for this company and I had, you know, 
I was up against 28 other candidates and everyone was telling me, you know, don't get your hopes down, you're probably not gonna get it. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, and I ended up getting the job and I just feel like at that moment, everything, you know, everything that I've worked for up to this point and all my fears about what I wanna do and where my career is gonna bring me kind of came together and I just believe in myself that I, you know. So what was the mental switch that you made? What, what is it that gave you that clarity to just go ahead? Um, <laughs> but you just kind of got that spirit inside of you that it's going to work? Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. So, did we call you Steph or Stephanie? Um, Steph is fine. Steph is fine. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Okay. In Singapore, they have a drink called whatever. Because sometimes people say, what do I get you? Whatever, okay, take whatever. So we're sharing our name whenever you're ready. We're sharing our name and a time in our life when we felt really present and really complete. And we just began sharing whenever you're ready. You can share. Um, I think it was like So at what point in that process were you really feeling so alert and alive? Was it when you got the news or when you saw her recovering? What, what, what would you say? Uh, uh, you know, I wasn't with mom a lot because yeah. she was in India and I was here. But, you know, she, through, you know, through the FaceTiming, through the news, it, it was all very difficult. But then at the end, you know, when, when she came here and everything was fine, it, it was it was good. And I felt, I felt, you felt very complete. Very complete and things very are complete. over that hump, yeah. that difficulty. Welcome, Rohan. Sure. Uh, hi, I'm John. Um, I have a couple good moments similar for my son, <laughs> so I hope I'm not insulting him by not using that example. <laughs> um, but for me, 
I, I think it would be my wedding day, right? And I think that, uh, you know, obviously the wedding day is really special, right? But leading up to it, anyone who's, who's been married knows that there's a lot of planning and a lot of things that you're thinking about constantly right up into that moment, right? And even up into the day and throughout the day, you're a little party, like, you know, is, is the food gonna come out okay? Is everyone gonna enjoy their, is everyone enjoying themselves? And, you know, um, you know, right up until, you know, and then the, the ceremony starts and you're just able to take that moment and you just put that part behind you and start focusing that everyone's here for us and this is our special day, my special day. Um, and really it's just like a perception change. Like this isn't something that I'm planning and doing, this is something I'm enjoying and loving Fantastic. and embracing it. And you know, it's like, you know, it's the same moment, right? It's like seconds separated from each other, um, but just a different perspective, you know. And, you know, that was for me like, you know, because of this, you know, the moment, I felt like, you know, I was able to embrace that. Fantastic. Welcome, John. Thank you. That's a good one. I can go, I can go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, I actually, for me, uh, I'm Ritik. Sorry. Uh, nice to meet everyone. Um, I actually lost my father very suddenly, and uh, uh, so I had to fly down from the U.S. to be there um, two days later. But actually, the process of, uh, of cremation uh, in the Indian context is very... Uh, it's very personal. You have to actually anoint the body of the person that's departed with oil and butter, and then sort of, uh, you know, and there's a, it's very hands-on, and you feel very, very present in that moment about what this person meant to you. Your brain actually activates all the memories that you have with this person as you do it. And it's actually, for me, it was, even though it was a very sad moment, it was a very important moment where I, um, you know, was able to, in, 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 the, in the short span of 20, 25 minutes of doing that, uh, experience him in a very, very personal and intense way, and then sort of you. Then after that, you take the body, and then you do the rest of what you have to do. But that's a moment where I know that time stopped for me. Everything stopped, and that experience actually, uh, you know, gives you a lot of perspective on how this all ends for everybody. And it's kind of uh, very, very helpful to to do that because you get a moment to frame, you know, what matters and what doesn't. Fantastic, Rithik, right? Rithik. Welcome, Rithik. Thank you. Welcome, Welcome. 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 Thanks. Um, my name is Orit. Um, so this is not really a moment, uh, but it is. And it's also connected to death. Um, when my father was dying, I flew to Israel, where my parents lived, to, uh, to visit. And um, it was obvious that he was going to die, and he was after a stroke, so he also could not uh, talk or communicate very well. And I came for, I think, a period of something like 10 days. I came from the States. I was completely jet lagged. My mom and my sister were completely immense. And my father was just lying in bed and basically there. And every evening, um, like when the night fell, he kind of switched nights and days while he was in bed all the time. But my mom and my sister were still uh, obeying their regular clock. So at time, uh, at night, my mom and my sister would either go out or come back and go to sleep. And I would still jet lagged, so I would just sit in the bedroom next to my father, who was lying in bed, staring at the TV, and my mom, who was probably asleep. And I had absolutely nothing to do but just be there. And I had no expectations. I didn't expect her to wake up. I didn't expect him to talk to me. He physically couldn't. And I... Um, didn't want time to pass, and I didn't want to think about the future, because all I came to do was hang with my father before he was dying. He couldn't talk, 
I couldn't talk to him. And all that was left for me to do was to sit there for hours and hours and not be bored and not wait for the time to pass and not to wait for the visit to be over, just to literally be there and hang. And um, that's what came to my mind and it's not a moment because many, many hours that I don't think I've ever experienced being that intensely and for that long just because I didn't want to come because I knew only bad things are coming. So beautiful. Thank you, Aurit. Welcome, Aurit. Um, my nephew was born. Uh, I was going through a really difficult time in my life professionally, just really frustrating. Uh, I fought really hard to go through law school, and I didn't get the job I expected to get. It was just this like period filled with angst. And then uh, I don't even remember where I was working at the time, but when I got the message that he was being born, the only thing that mattered was he was being born. And, like, there in Staten Island. So it's like a singular purpose of getting to Staten Island, getting to the hospital, um, arriving before the birth, and then witnessing the birth was, uh, was really pretty bad. Amazing. And the contrast to all that you've been going through yeah, in your profession? Yeah, that, that was happening. Yeah. To see my sister, who I grew up with, uh, become a mother was really okay. amazing. Welcome, Sean. Welcome, Sean. Um, I'm Ashwin. Um, I guess I'm just going to talk about recently because I've had a few moments where uh, um, I've been teaching. I have kids, and I, I've, I've been teaching them some things, and there's these moments where they get it. You know, when I'm teaching them some certain difficult concepts and suddenly they're not getting it, and the next day there's the no. And it can be something small, like I have an 18-month-old and um, I've been teaching her, you know, she cries when she wants water, and I'm just going to say water. And this morning, and she started, she came to me and she said, water. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just, for that instant, it's just, yay. <laughs> and, uh, Beautiful. Welcome, Ashwin. Listening to everybody, I think uh, so many moments like kept popping up, having a hard time choosing which one. So I guess many moments from my childhood, I think especially learning like a new sport or something. I remember this one match, we were playing basketball and I think it was last two minutes and I think we were just short of a goal, like like one basket, and I was defending. I usually used to defend, and I don't know. Somehow, there was this moment of determination that this ball is not going to go anywhere else. And I, I mean, I just get it. And somehow, I managed like an intercept, which was cool. I think really cool, and that turned around the whole game. And I, the exhilaration that I felt after that, and then I just ferried forward to the. Person who was a forward and we just shot and we scored, we converted into a basket. And I mean, I have never been like very, uh, I never played in the offensive. So for me, that was just shifting that gear in that moment just by sheer, I think, force of, I think, intention that is what it was. And I was surprised and it was very one of the many moments I just think about. Welcome, Swati. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid enough. Um, 
yeah, I was also thinking about the birth of my children and that certainly is what sort of came to me. I think we were just talking about this, right? A few days ago, I was remembering the you know, the moment when when the baby is about to be born, the split second of absolute terror that like, can I really do this? Is my body actually going to survive this? Um, but at the same time being completely, it's like some, some, somebody else was also saying like, there's nothing else, absolutely nothing else in my mind in that, in those few minutes. Um, I don't think I've ever felt quite so present. Another one that sort of came to me was, you know, rewinding many, many years back when I was on a trip in school. I must have been like 13 or 14 years old gone up in the mount to the mountains in India somewhere. We were all on a hike and we were it was like a single file kids and teachers sort of, you know, in between. And there was like this moment which I still remember where, you know, we were going up a mountain literally and um, there was this moment where I couldn't see or hear anyone in front of me or behind me, but I knew they were all there and I, you know, as I curved rounded the curve I would see them. But I think that's probably sort of looking back my first sense of really feeling that there's something, someone, some power sort of bigger than myself in the world. I really, I, that, that was probably like 30 seconds, but that's always stayed with me, you know. I, even today I get goosebumps thinking about it, that sense of, um, I don't have to see it, but I know it's there, and immediately being able to connect that with a sense of there being something at play that's larger than me, much, much larger than me, that I can, that I felt in that moment that I could have trusted. Yeah. Welcome, friend. So take a minute of silence and try to find some linkages between what people have said in terms of the content of what they've said but also in terms of their experience. So go ahead, see what linkages you can find.
I'm going to get the group to come up with as many linkages you can find. Let's see if you can get to 10. And uh, if someone has said something, you don't have to repeat it, but if you have a different angle on it, then I'd love to hear that, right? So let's start. What are some of the things you found that were similar? Time stopped. Time stopped, yeah. In almost all of these things, the sense of time. Like all it very clearly described that you know time. They had a totally different experience of time. You also shared how when you were working with your, you know, preparing your father's body for cremation, even though it was not a very long period of time, but it had a big deep impact on you. That's time stopped or that a different experience of time. I think yeah. it's like the transition of when sadness becomes happiness. Yeah, and sadness becoming happiness. Becomes or joy. pain becomes joy, yes. Yeah. And that was in Sean's care that was very apparent, you know, coming from all the stress of work and suddenly feeling this exhilaration. Yeah. Or almost feeling I'm gonna die in that moment and suddenly you're giving birth yeah. to a new life, you know? You think? That's like a concept of gradually then suddenly. Yes. Like I I've heard that before in certain like I've done some meditation and mindfulness yeah. and that's a concept yeah. that I feel like I've heard throughout as well. Yes. Um, say, say more, gradually versus suddenly. So, um, you know, like for, for example, you work on something for so long yeah. and then you finally get it, like a right. promotion. So it's like gradually and then suddenly. Yeah. Same thing with um, <clears throat> death can be like that, birth can be like that. Yes. Um, so there's a lot of experiences I think that can fall sure. under that. Like Ashwin was sharing, he's teaching, 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 and suddenly, you know, the kid gets it like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. That's three. Mm -hmm. that's it's like a Eureka kind of. Yeah. Eureka moment. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Anything else you found in common? I think there was a sense of trust. A sense of trust you felt was there in almost yeah, so all the experiences. Like what Pratiksha was saying, or certainly like I could relate to that in, in childbirth, or the other experience that I was talking about, yeah. just that sense of, I don't see it, but yes. I know that the support is there. Like Stephanie trusting that it's going to go well, or yeah. John saying that now it's time to enjoy the party. We've <laughs> done all the work now, you know, and let me think about this. <laughs> it's a sense of trust. Another good one. What else? Just going within the heart. Within the heart. Yeah. So getting out of the head and into the heart seems to be a common theme. Like, for example, hearing that your mom's finally recovered from it, it's like, ah. Oh, like a relief, you get back into your heart. That would be a theme that matches most of what people said here today. What else? Let's do five more. Sense of the moment. A sense of yeah, being in the moment. Right. A yeah. recognition that this is a moment that I want to focus in on. Right. Yes. Yes. So presence. In fact, I like to say shifting from being a person to being a presence with an expanded sense of self as well. getting a taste of your larger self, in a, not, not your very yeah. personalized, individuated self, but yeah. you're tasting something more universal in that moment. Well, that actually, to that point, I think shared experiences, because mm -hmm. the fact that there were a lot of common stories, a lot of people, I think, often feel like they're alone in this, or, but even through just this exercise, I think a big aha is like a lot of people have shared experiences and feelings, which is... And, and it feels good to know. Yeah. Okay, okay. Birth and death was such a common theme. Yeah. Such a, or just start right, out, right after birth. Uh, Pratiksha started that. <laughs> what else? Can I just add to something yeah. you said? And it's a shared experience because 
like in surgery i noticed that a lot because standing there 6 hours 7 8 hours i think some of my highest highs have been where there has been this seamless sort of tandem because everybody's like six hands working together mm-hmm. so when that happens without a word spoken everybody some way just synchronize into each other mm-hmm. and it's not very common not all doesn't happen but with some teams it just happens and i don't know there's this i mean wordless language that speaks so i think experiencing that it's it's one of the most amazing There's a sport in Burma in Myanmar where you have a small uh, ball made out of um, some kind of twine like a wooden kind of a ball not very light and the aim of this game is to keep the ball in the air you only allowed to use your feet and uh, it's a team of uh, usually four or five and uh, just how long can you keep the ball in the air so you can knock it like the other one but then as you get good at it it's not just about keeping it in the air it's about how complex a stunt can you do as you keep it in the air <laughs> So can you like from behind you tell me you kick the ball can you can spin and kick the ball and it's like a fascinating sport and it's 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 in a way non competitive because you're all doing it together but of course in some ways competitive with the other teams as well and how well can your team do against them so there's a documentary on i think it's called mystic ball and it's a fascinating documentary about how these people they forget and burma has all its own, you know you lot of problems but this sport requires almost no money all you need is a little ball and these people just go into a trance and they're playing for a long time and even old people like similar to the hands you mentioned that everyone's just there and everyone just knows when to step in and when to put the kick it up and the next person comes in and it's fascinating to watch that so find a youtube video on that one great anybody else something common that we found in what people shared it beyond went beyond what they thought was possible for them mm-hmm. wow and in a way it permanently shifted their sense of self as a result of that fantastic the ties in the trust mm-hmm. the trust as well something from this side you know they're getting all the points how we're getting on the roots you get You, you kind of told yourself okay now calm down it's yes. alright and let me and then in that moment you felt the support right. the love of everybody right. in the operating theatre right. and that just took you through the entire experience very nice I would say a sense of oneness in the operating theatre when you together how wonderful and so one of the thing one of the ways i like to articulate it is you're shifting from moving at the speed of thought to the speed of life like in chance case right so thinking 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 suddenly ah being right thinking thinking traveling all the way to india and suddenly ah now you're there right so shifting from moving at the speed of thought 
And life is very different when you move at the speed of thought and when you move at the speed of life. What's the speed of life? The speed of breath. The speed of what you're feeling. Right? That's the speed of life. And recently, Abhishek took me for a yoga class. And that whole time, the yoga teacher kept saying, what you're thinking, we don't know whether we can believe it or not. We don't know if we can trust it or not. But what you're feeling, that's real. <laughs> and he kept saying that the entire one hour. Right? And he got us all these difficult poses. They were not complex poses, but he kind, of, he kind of pushed our limits. He said, you know, and stay with that. Stay with that. That's real. That's real. Stay with it. Stay with it. So not what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're feeling. So I found that very, very nice. How you kept saying, come back to, come back to this, as opposed to your ideas about this. Our ideas are always going to be spinning all over the place. But come back to that actual experience. And like, you know, open yourself to that experience. Trust that experience. So, I'd like to explore four dimensions of the power of presence. And let's say this together. Pause. Pause. Feel. 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 Intend. Intend. Connect. Connect. And for me, all of these four are important dimensions. And again, if you reflect back to what people said, even though we haven't described too much what these words mean, but I think you can sense it. There's a sense of pause. There's an allowing ourselves to feel deeply into that moment, into ourselves, into what's happening. There's a clear intention, for example, the intention to trust or the intention to be calm or whatever that intention is. And there's a sense of connection, not only with yourself, but everything, all of life around you. Like you mentioned, the entire family coming together. It's like, wow, I've got pretty cool people in my life. <laughs> right? And that deep sense of connection, which is also like oneness, which you mentioned. And this is, uh, you know, I asked you to talk about the time in your life when you felt most complete, most present. And these were the kind of experiences that came up. Now, one way to go through life is you wait until the next pregnancy happens. <laughs> you wait until the next person dies. You wait until that's you're not going to wait until the next person dies to experience this. So we don't have to have this arbitrarily. We can actually access this more consciously. Right. And so one of my big recognitions in life was it's not the content of my experience. It's not the content of my experience that's defining my state. It's the quality of my consciousness. It's not the content of my experience. It's not about which city I'm in or which people I'm with. It's the state I'm in. It's the state of my consciousness, the state of my being. And the state of my being does not have to be an outcome of my circumstances. Right? I can actually consciously choose the state of being I want to be in. So one example, I like this teacher, Gary Craig, teaches a form, we mentioned before some of you came in, something called tapping. So he was holding a conference and he said, the way I prepare myself for these conferences is, I, uh, in my car, before I get out of my car, I say, it's going to be great, it's going to be great, it's going to be great. <laughs> he said that like 10 times, it's going to be awesome. And he just pumps himself up, it's going to be awesome. But what you, really that makes a difference when you say again and again, it's going to be awesome, it's going to be great, it's going to be great. And then he gets out, actually it's great. Because he only done, in about 30 seconds, he's completely changed his state of being. By saying again and again, it's going to be awesome, it's going to be great, it's going to be amazing, it's going to be amazing. It changed the state of being. One of the most watched TED Talks is by a lady called Amy Cuddy, who talks about power poses. And she says, you should go to the bathroom and stand like Wonder Woman. <laughs> right? And open up your body language, and you'll find, you, you're, you, like before an interview, or before an important meeting, you can actually go ahead and when you change your bodily position, you actually change the, literally your, the neurochemistry changes. And you're sitting like this, and that's very different neurochemistry than when you're sitting all up and open and bold, you know, with symmetrical, with symmetrical body position. It makes a difference. 
So in other words, we don't have to be a victim of what's happening. We can actually choose our state of being. You choose your state of being, everything goes. So these are the four dimensions I'd like to explore. Pause, feel, intend, and connect. Pause means getting off, stepping off the train of thought and arriving. Arriving, really arriving. Arriving to your sensory experience. Arriving to your inner experience. Acknowledging it. And when you step off the train, then you may or may not like what you see. Because <laughs> right, you live in a little fantasy. But the point is you acknowledge it, you meet it. I remember someone took me for a AA gathering once. They wanted me to experience what it's like. And one lady there was sharing. They, kind of give, they, give, they give these little medallions when you complete a certain amount of time. So she'd been sober for about six months. So they give her a little medallion to congratulate her. And she shared. So somebody asked her what's it like. So she says, the best part, the best part is that I can feel again. She's been numbing herself out for so long. This is the best part is that I can feel again. And the worst part is that I can feel again. <laughs> I love that. So the best part is that I can feel again. And the worst part is that I can feel again. But that's life. You're alive. Right. So to really come and have a direct encounter with this moment of life. And I like the way Alan Watts says it. He says that of all the possible dreams, of all the possible dreams, one of the dreams is this dream. The dream that you're having now. The experience you're having now. And can you be awake to that dream? Instead of always thinking, no, 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 but I want another dream. I want another dream. And how often in our life have we even got what we thought we wanted? Only to find that it didn't really satisfy us for very long. And now the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. So to wake up from the next thing, next thing, next thing. The myth of more and the myth of when. And noticing this thing. Where I am now. And in a way, you use the word trust. Life has orchestrated, life has chosen for you to be right now in the YMCA <laughs> and sitting on that precise chair and having this precise experience. Right. And that's everything is in its place. So to pause and to step off your a sense of how it should be, how it could be, how I should be, you should be, the world should be, and to just arrive, to show up. So one of the more memorable ways I say this, let's say together, between stimulus, between stimulus and, response and response is a gap. Yeah. This is where wisdom lives. So stimulus is what's happening, and response is what you think, say, and do about it. And there's this gap, and this gap is always here. And to step into this gap, and to live from this gap, to get out of the speed of thought and come into the speed of life, and to meet it the way it is. And like with anything, this is something that it's like a muscle that can be developed, it's like a skill that can be developed. Right. So instead of waiting for life to give us some kind of a peak experience to have it, you can actually experience it. Experience each moment completely. One of the phrases I like this teacher, Shindan Yang, he uses a nice phrase. He calls it micro hits. And by micro hits, he says, not everyone's going to find the time to meditate two hours a day. But can you meditate intensively? Can you be intensively alert for 30 seconds? For 15 seconds? For 10 seconds? For 5 seconds? Multiple times in the day? That's possible. So let's try that, okay? For the next 30 seconds, I want you to be as alert as possible. As alive as possible.
April. So when I gave you that instruction to be as alert as possible, as alive as possible, what did you notice? Anyone? What did you notice? What happened? Sounds. Sounds, you know, the sounds more clearly. The sounds were there anywhere, anyway, but they were more like background. And now they came into the foreground. What else? You notice the books, yeah. Again, visual, you became more aware of what you were seeing. Yes, what else? I noticed my breath. The breath, yes. What else? Other than this, I also felt the strain. <laughs> the strain. <laughs> the strain to do that, yeah. So broadly, what most of you are saying, let's say together, sensory experience, breath, and feelings. So right here we have a good way to access that pause. How do you access the pause? Through sensory experience, heightened sensory experience. You become alert to what you're seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, and texture, any kind of touch. Become alert to that. In fact, you know, we had a, when I was living, I was a monk for some time, and we had a visitor a man from Germany who came. And we noticed after a month, he had some quirky behavior. First he thought he was idiosyncratic, but we realized, no, he had some quirky behavior, something's not quite right. And it turned out that he had some form of schizophrenia, some, some form of, you know, he was not completely at peace. So uh, monks are, you know, more specialists in things like mindfulness and meditation, not necessarily mental disorders. So we called up a doctor actually and said, you know, what, how can we help this man? He's with us for some time. He's not gonna be able to go back immediately. How can we help him? And the advice the doctor gave was, get him to, whenever the phone rings, take a deep breath, take a deep breath. <sighs> How wonderful. <laughs> and the advice the doctor gave is that anytime, uh, whenever you're with him, ask him to describe his sensory experience. So make him touch the carpet and describe what does it feel like. Ask him to see and say, what is he seeing? Ask him to hear and say, what is what sound is he hearing? He says, catch him and he makes a story out of it. So when he touches the carpet and says, yeah, that reminds me of my grandmother's carpet. No, 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 not, not what it reminds you of. What's it like now? You know, what's, what's that feeling like? What's it like to breathe deeply? What's it like to see? And that was the main way he got him out of his, his condition, is by getting him back to his sensory experience. So there's a reason why we say come to your senses. Because when you come to your senses, literally you're coming to this. Right? Into presence. You're accessing the pause. So one aspect of one doorway to that pause is sensory experience. Breathing. So again, your breath matches your consciousness. So if you notice throughout the day, as your consciousness changes, your breath also changes. When you're anxious, you're breathing shallow. When you're fearful, you're breathing at a certain rate. When you're angry, you're breathing in a certain way. So in the yogic traditions, they say just like when you feel a certain way, you think a certain way, you'll breathe a certain way. Similarly, when you breathe a certain way, you'll think a certain way and feel a certain way. So when I made you do those deep breaths, those six second breaths, that comes from an, something in the US called Institute of Heart Math, where they have been studying the heart and heart rhythm, especially something called heart rate variability. They found a very deep correlation between stress and heart rate variability, which means your, your heart doesn't beat, the gap between beats is not regular, it's actually irregular for all of us. 
and you can measure the irregularity of the heartbeats. So what they found is six second breathing calms the heart rate variability. It reduces your stress. So breathing in for six seconds. Let's take one more such breath, six in for six seconds. Out for six seconds. So anytime in the day you're feeling a little uptight, Take three such breaths, take five such breaths, take ten such breaths, breathe like this for a few minutes. And you'll find you automatically start feeling better, you start feeling more grounded. So come to your senses, come to your breathing. You know, you can, one of the biggest crises is, is childbirth, right? And what's the, what, what's the main, main instruction? Breathe. Breathe, breathe, all the way they tell you breathe. Breathe through it, breathe through it, breathe through it. Through that yoga class we were going through, he made us do all these difficult poses, and the main instruction was breathe. Breathe, breathe through it, breathe into it. If you stop breathing, you won't be able to hold it. Breathe into it, breathe, breathe through it. So we can breathe through almost anything in life, one breath at a time, one breath at a time. One deep breath at a time. And then feel it, you know, you inhabit your whole body. So one good instruction for all of us would be throughout the day, instead of just living somewhere in a cloud in our heads, I like Woody Allen says, most people live three and a half feet away from their bodies. <laughs> so we're living in some, you know, conceptual world, you know. But come and inhabit your body. So notice, notice your posture. You know, notice how the body is feeling. Feel it. That's what it is to be alive. I bet all the things you mentioned, all those different experiences, you really felt more alive. Right? You were more in the moment. You were more in your body. You felt more alive. Yes, go ahead. To that point, um, sometimes something I do when I get stressed at work is the rule of three. Yes. So I'll take three breaths. I'll look at, I'll notice three things exactly. that I see, that I hear, and then three parts of my body. Fantastic. And it kind of just really does deep everything you were saying, just focuses me a little so bit. So make, make us do it now. So make us do it. Step oh. one. Step one. So three, start, but stop what you're doing and take three breaths. Okay, let's take two breaths. Mentally note three things you see specifically now. Three things you hear. And then three parts of your body. How wonderful. <laughs> what a great tool. So three deep breaths, three things you're noticing, three things you're hearing, and three things you're feeling anywhere in the body. What a fantastic tool. This is a great way to get into the pause. Right. So we're learning about breath, we're learning about feeling, we're learning about sensory experience. Another version is the fun the fun acronym is MBA. So MBA is let's say together, move, move. Breathe, breathe, and appreciate. So we are often too sedentary, so they say, you know, if you are sedentary for more than 20 minutes, 
your immune, your actually your insulin levels change. It's actually not that healthy. We were never designed to sit as much as we actually do. So some people actually put an alarm in their in their phone or in their in their watch. Less than every twenty minutes, get up, just move a little bit. Get up, move a little bit, pick up something, walk a little bit, come back, then continue. You'll find you actually remain more active throughout the day. So move throughout the day. Move, move, move. breathe like you've learned six second breaths, deeper breaths, and appreciate. Right. Uh, let's have from the group five things we appreciate. Either about now or anything in life. John, what do you appreciate? Having people that care about me. Having people that care about you, fantastic. Let's all say how wonderful. How lucky you are. <laughs> health. Okay. Health, you appreciate your health. What do you appreciate most about your health? That I'm healthy. <laughs> you like your stamina, you like your energy levels, fantastic. I that you're here today, fantastic, welcome. Sunshine. Sunshine, that's great, you appreciate sunshine. People in India never appreciate it, only when they come to New York like, oh yeah, sunshine. <laughs> in India we got too much of sunshine. <laughs> Little children in your life, fantastic. Anybody extra credit? <laughs> Sean, what do you appreciate? Uh, just deep breaths. Deep breaths you appreciate, fantastic. Lithic? I was gonna say children. Children as well, fantastic. So that changes our state, you see? So moving changes our state, breathing changes our state. Our state. Feeling deeply changes our state. So plenty of good, good inputs over here. I'll make you do a short uh, meditation practice right now. And uh, it'll be a 10 minute practice. It'll have four parts to it. <coughs> so please say with me. Uh, breathe. Mm-hmm. Feel. Mm-hmm. Silence. Silence. And love. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for the first couple of minutes, I'm just gonna ask you to focus on your breathing. You can either do the six second breath, or if you just wanna breathe a little deeper than usual, that's fine. Focus on your breath. Then I'll guide you to feel. And then I'll guide you to just be that things happen. And finally, good wishes for all. All right, so sit comfortably. And let's up. Bring your attention to your breath. Enjoy each breath. Please practice in a very relaxed way. It's not about being uptight. Be very relaxed. This is yin practice, not yang practice. Feminine mindfulness. Receptive. Feel the full in-breath 
a slight pause between breaths. Feel the full out breath. Let's come to the second part of our practice. I'm going to mention body parts. Feel what you're feeling in that part of the body. Feel what you're feeling on the top of the head. Back of the head. The forehead. The entire face. throat and neck. Just bring your attention there, notice what you're feeling. If you don't feel much, that's also fine, notice that. Come to your shoulders. Come to your upper arms. Feel what you're feeling throughout the chest. Deep inside the chest. And the upper back. Feel what you're feeling throughout the belly and abdomen. Deep inside the belly and abdomen. And the lower back. And feel the lower parts of the body, both the thighs. And the lower limbs, below the knees. And the soles of the feet. Experience your whole body simultaneously from head to toe. For a moment, forget what your body looks like. <coughs> Just feel it. What's it like to have no memory of what your body looks like? Just a pure feeling. Now let feelings be feelings, let thoughts be thoughts. And just abide in stillness, in silence. Silence does not mean there are no thoughts, it just means you're not interested in the thoughts. You're not staring at the thoughts. Letting them come and go like pedestrians on a street. 
not interested. Access and inner stillness, an inner clarity, an inner quiet that's always there. More interested in the quiet than the thinking. sense that there is a body, there is a mind, but I am not this body, I am not this mind, I just am. Forever undefinable. attention to your heart. Think of someone you really love, you really care about. And as you think of them, let your heart smile and send strong loving wishes to that person or that thing. Start with someone or something really easy. For some people it's a pet, for someone it's a child could be anyone, could be anything, and strong loving wishes. And now strong loving wishes to your entire family. strong loving wishes to everyone gathered here tonight. Just genuinely wishing them well from your heart. Strong loving wishes to everyone in New York City. on the planet. Including other living beings. Including non-living beings. Everything. Strong, loving wishes. To everything in existence. 
We'll all take a six second breath. Let go of everything. Just be quiet for a few seconds. into a sense of being. In other words, stepping out of all these roles, you have all these roles of mom and dad and friend and brother and sister, this and that, fine, there are roles, but don't get, don't get so hypnotized by a role that you forget that you're actually forever not defined by those roles. A role is something you take on, it's not who you are, it's something that you practice or express. Right? So what a relief for sometimes just take out all those roles, let it all be. I am, not I am this or I am that, just I am. That sense of mind. And that's presence. So you're going from persona to presence. Persona to presence. And do that often enough, you start experiencing in a non-verbal way your essence, who you really are. Who you really are is not limited. Cannot be described, cannot be defined. It is forever a mystery. So you actually allow yourself to enter that mystery. The journey from the history to the mystery. Right now we're living in our history. <laughs> our sense of what's happened and what's not happened. But there's another dimension that's right here. We were watching Harry Potter last night. There's another dimension that exists right here, which muggles don't suspect. <laughs> right? But it is right here. It's the world of presence. So we talked about pause. Between stimulus and response is a gap. This is where wisdom lives. And I gave you a few suggestions based on what you also said. Sensory experience is one. Breath is another one. Fully feeling. Inhabiting your whole body is another one. And then you've got a few more suggestions, like notice three things. Three deep breaths, notice what you're seeing, notice what you're hearing, notice what you're feeling. It's similar, but it's a nice, skillful tool like that. We also talk about MBA. What is MBA? Move, breathe, and appreciate. It's all nice, nice tools for us to remember throughout the day. So pause and uh, shift from being, a from being a person to being a presence multiple times throughout the day. You'll find you have a higher quality day. There was a nice quote, I'm forgetting the exact quote, but something like, what if we didn't measure our day by productivity? 
what if we didn't measure the quality of our day by the productivity of the day, but by the presence of the day? How present were you through the day? Not how much you got done in the day, but how did you show up throughout the day? That would be a lovely shift. It's a shift from human doing to human being. But no matter how much you get done, there'll be more to be done. In fact, you're very, if you're very good at getting things done, people say, excellent, do more. <laughs> you're really good at this. <laughs> That's what happens, right? You're really good at getting things done. Any organization, you're really good at getting things Fantastic. Next year, 25% more. Give an even bigger target for you. All right. right? So there's no end to the doing. And while things have to be done, we shouldn't define ourselves so much by the doing aspect of life. Because that's not where the juice is. When we asked you your most complete moment, very little of it was about the doing. Most, almost everything was about the being. The state of being. So pause and then feel because you know the the deeper mind is always with feelings even as i'm sitting here now you know some of you are shifting a little bit some of you are moving a little bit pretna just you know shifted a posture what is that because your deeper mind is always with feelings while your conscious mind is listening to me your deeper mind is continuously with feelings and at the end of the session you will describe the session you will rate the session not so much on what i said by how you felt at the end of the session it's always about feeling. Right. So this is a really important thing to remember. It's not about, in fact, someone was telling me that with children, especially very young children, it's not about concepts. It's about the feeling. It's about the atmosphere you create. Okay. Right. That's, what, that's the right way to work with those little children. It's not about the concept. In fact, I would say with everybody, not only with kids. You work with them through stories. Th- stories create images. Images create feelings. And that's the, way, that's the way to really work with the children. In fact, that's the way to work with everybody. And playfulness. Have you heard of the, um, the 90 tw- the 90-10? Um, it's like the, the happiness study or the happiness factor where um, it's, you know, 90%, 10% is what actually happens to you and what, the, what you have. Yes. To, uh, um, it's really more important is how you react to it. Fantastic. So it's, you know, that's where 10% is actually what's happening, but the 90% is your mind frame that's and how you react to that's it, so, and that's how you interpret it, that's you know? That's so good, that's a, that's a great reminder, 90-10. So it's not, we don't have to be the victim of our environment again. We can be the architect of our experience based on how we see it. It's not what's happening, it's how I see it, how I experience, how I choose to see it. I was telling Prerna on the way here, I was listening to a talk by Tony Robbins last night, he talks about three things for a breakthrough. So let's say it together. Strategy, strategy. Story, story, and state. And he says most people focus on the strategy. And why the strategy is important? The strategy is not that important actually. You go to YouTube, you'll get endless strategies. How to, how to end procrastination. You'll find 100 videos on that. How to lose weight. You'll find 10,000 videos on that. <laughs> you, know, you know, how to find a life partner. There are lots of strategies out there. There's no shortage of strategies. And chances are you already have a lot of strategies. But you're still stuck. And the reason we are stuck is because of the story that we are telling. And a simpler word for story is self-talk. How are you, what are you saying? That never works for me. I'm not like that. I can't do that. I'm not good enough. That, you know, I had a friend in school who kept saying, I'm accident prone. And guess what? Every few weeks, he'd have <laughs> something would be bruised, something would be broken. If you keep telling yourself the story, you're accident prone, you're going to be accident prone. What do you expect? There was a fascinating research done on luck. 
and they asked a big a lot of people you know are you lucky or are you unlucky how would you describe yourself so some people said lucky some people said ah somewhere in between and some people said unlucky they took, they took the two extremes they took the people who said i'm lucky and they took the people who said i'm unlucky and they gave them a newspaper and simple task count the photographs in the newspaper what the people didn't know was this is not a normal newspaper this is a specially made newspaper where throughout the newspaper there are these headlines saying stop the experiment and claim a hundred dollars put the paper away now claim a hundred dollars right now go to the experiment to claim a hundred dollars all those who described themselves as unlucky were so busy counting the photographs they never read this <laughs> their mind was completely focused on counting the photographs but those who described themselves as lucky they tended to notice that a lot more and they went and they claimed the hundred dollars so to see the both had the same newspaper the same ten percent was there but the unlucky people were so fixated they didn't they didn't notice the opportunity that was right there the lucky people just had a more spacious way of looking at things and they noticed peripheral information which the unlucky people were noticing in other words if you are so called lucky you just notice more you just your brain is wired to notice opportunities there was a story about in new york there was the brooklyn bridge there were some workers repairing taking out old parts and replacing it with new parts so somebody said what are you doing with these old parts he said no this is going to go it's going to get burnt old wood is going to get burnt he said you know what i'm going to buy this wood from you he said also oh, the rubbish is just going to get burnt you don't want to give it to me so he he gives them not too much money maybe a couple of thousand dollars takes all that wood and then he takes it to a place where they cut it into small wooden chips and he stamps each one saying original piece of brooklyn bridge and he sells each piece for 10 dollars <laughs> and he becomes a multimillionaire just from that just from selling a little bit of brooklyn bridge you see that that was there for everybody those workers saw it but they didn't see the opportunity there right so it's how you the story that you're telling so it's not just a strategy it's the story and what tony robbins was saying even more important than the story is the state you're in this is the one that people neglect what state are you in and like you said we can change our state by moving breathing appreciating we can change our state the other day you playing the wouldn't it be fun if game right wouldn't it be fun if and we just played that game wouldn't it be fun if wouldn't it be fun if and we kept filling in filling in the blanks wouldn't it be fun if let's just play for a few minutes the wouldn't it be fun if game and you can put anything after that there's no right or wrong response right you could have a magical ability you could be any ability and uh, the rest of the group says how wonderful <laughs> and if you really like what they said you say copy paste even i want that <laughs> right so let's play that for a few minutes wouldn't it be fun if so i'll start so wouldn't it be fun if from this moment onwards each of us really was able to tap into the power of presence and live from the space of presence and made this an absolute priority wouldn't that be so much fun how about it somebody else wouldn't it be fun I want to pull answer to this. <laughs> What else? Wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be fun if we eat something? Coffee is. Coffee is a cake. What else? Wouldn't it be fun if you could just fly? <laughs> exactly, you're thinking of that. You could levitate and fly. One of my teachers was teaching a meditation course in a prison, and the first day it was like a really full house. He's amazed. All these prisoners want to learn meditation, so he's very impressed. And then uh, he's teaching for about half an hour, and someone finally raises his hand. He says, "Yeah, I've got a question." He says, "First, tell us, can meditation really make us levitate?" <laughs> he says, "Why they've come? They want to levitate out of the prison." <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, wouldn't it be fun if... Rohan, wouldn't it be fun if... Wouldn't it be fun if I could not gain any weight? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How wonderful. And so it is. <laughs> no matter what you ate, no matter what you did. <laughs> oh, there was an app to choose how much weight you want today. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> or it wouldn't it be fun? I really want to fly, but you're really. So you only did. I think flying was a lot of Yeah. You can say, wouldn't it be fun? I can fly faster than <laughs> Wouldn't it be fun if you could teleport? We don't have to go through all the long custom lines anyway. No, the actual experience. The experience of flying. Not getting anywhere. Not getting anywhere. Okay, you're, you're in a different mode. I just want to fly. I just want to <laughs> levitate. <laughs> right? Now, did you notice our state changed? We did that for the last, last two, three minutes. Our state changed because we focused continuously on wouldn't it be fun. Whether you spoke or not, I'm sure your state began to change. Similarly, if you say, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful. Or what's awesome about life is, what's awesome about life is. You see, those are like just, it's a powerful story you're creating. I'm the luckiest person in the world because. Let's try that one. I'm the luckiest person in the world because. Go ahead. I'm the luckiest person in the world because um, I have the people in my life. The people in your life are amazing, right? How wonderful. Somebody else. Ashwin, why are you the luckiest person in the world? Because you have the best sister. Okay. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> the best sister in the world. <laughs> one more, one more. Um, I'm the luckiest person in the world because I'm uniquely me and I have my unique mindset. Fantastic. Like it's completely unique. How wonderful. Oh, I was about to say that you got the most orange jacket. All trains ever. You beautiful matching orange shoes. Yeah. Do not protect How wonderful. Right. So you can create all of these fun, fun statements, and you fill in the blanks. You're changing your story. You're changing your state. And you know what? Then the strategies you already know, you actually start applying the strategies. The, our problem is not that we don't know stuff. In fact, we know too much of stuff. That's actually, we, we have the other problem. It's over-information, not lack of information. But we don't have the drive to make it happen because we're not in the right states. So what can you do to change your states? So can you start now paying attention to your own life and noticing when you have changed your state? What did it take? Did it take you getting up in the morning, opening the blinds, opening the windows, getting some fresh air in? Did that help? Is it going out into the sun? Did that help? Is it deep breathing? Did that help? Did some yoga help? Did some meditation help? Did having maybe more water in the morning, did that help? You start looking at your own life and saying what really helps. Learn from others, but don't just get stuck at the strategy level. Go ahead and apply it and then see what helps. I've begun doing something called intermittent fasting where I actually don't eat so much in the day. I eat within a few hours in the day. And I find for me that really helps, right? I really feel more alert, more active. I feel more energetic. So that for me, it really seems to work. I don't know if it's going to work for you, but it works for me. So like this, you check, and can you start becoming a more of a, like an alchemist? And learning how to shift your state. And not being a victim of your circumstances, choosing the state that you want to be in. Right? So when you change your state, and you change your story, you can apply the strategy as well. Which is similar to what we're talking about. Pause, 
and feel. Now feel got the two dimensions to it. One is you accept what you're feeling now. See, one of the best quotes around feelings, let's say this together. Life is not about feeling good. Life is about being good at feeling. You're not going to feel good all the time. You can't feel good all the time. When you're sitting with your father who's dying, you can't feel good, but you can feel. You can allow yourself to feel whatever it is you're feeling. And it'll move through you. Right? It doesn't have to define you. So this is one thing you have to learn to trust. Just like those of you, you know, who've given birth to a child. You at some level just trust and say, okay, it's not going to kill me. I'm just going to go through this. Like some of you were saying, it just gets you to a new level. Right? In the same way, trust. And whatever you're feeling, even if it's sadness, even if it's you're feeling stuck, acknowledge that and really feel it. One of the first meditation practices I learned was simply this. We would just sit. We'd start maybe with a little bit of awareness of breath. And then you would just allow yourself to feel what you're feeling throughout the body for an hour. That was a meditation practice. You just feel what you're feeling in your body for an hour. And of course, thoughts would come. You come back to, what am I feeling now? What am I feeling now? And you know what? From experience, I can tell you, no matter how unpleasant it was, no matter how even painful it was sometimes, no matter how bad the weather was, you were sweating, you always felt great at the end of it. So we'll say together, fully feeling, fully feeling. what we are feeling, what feeling. Is, very is very healing. So you allow yourself to feel it, whatever it is. If you're feeling a heartbreak, then feel that heartbreak. Don't get into stories about how bad that person was and how could they do this. Stories are not going to heal you. Feeling is going to heal you. Allow yourself to feel it. When you're with someone who's going through a hard time, instead of thinking about what I, what's a clever thing to say, Feel what you feel in their presence. Chances are you feel helpless. Chances are you don't know what to say. All right, feel that. Feel tongue-tied. It's all right. And say, you know, that must be really hard. I, I, I don't know what to say. And that's probably more honest than telling them some half-baked advice. Holding the space for them. Just being there for them. So fully feeling what we are feeling. So the first part of it is allow yourself to feel. Right. And then, like you said, be, learn how to change your states. You don't have to remain over there. So feel it fully, breathe with it, stay with it. And then there are so many ways you can go and exercise. You can go out in fresh air, right? You can eat something light, you can, you can have a nice warm cup of tea. Right? And like this, you, there are endless ways in which you can shift. Maybe go and sit with a close friend, maybe go and pet your dog. <laughs> there are countless ways, I mean, that, that again gets into strategies. We don't want to get into strategies. Strate we all know strategies. The main point is shift your states. Don't be a victim of your state. Be the architect of your state. Pausing will give us the clarity. Feeling is a deeper part of our mind. That's going to support us. Literally our brain, we say we have the ancient, we have the reptilian brain, the mammalian brain, and the neocortex. And the neocortex is actually held hostage by the other brain most of the time. <laughs> the reptilian brain makes sure you survive. It keeps all your bodily functions going. Which is when you touch something hot, your hand just pulls it back. You don't have to think about it. Touch something hot, just pulls it back. No conscious thought is required. It just makes you survive, right? Temperature, all things, breathing. If you fall asleep, don't, don't, if you won't forget to breathe. Breathing will still go on. Right? Even when you're in a coma, breathing will go on. So reptilian brain and mammalian brain, this is fight, flight, and freeze. And this is where most of us get, get stuck. We are, we are reacting to life. Right? We are trying to, again, we are so worried. What, what does that person think of me? That person doesn't love me. Not feeling safe, basically. So the mammalian brain relaxes when you can create atmosphere when you can be safe and other people can be safe. So as a parent, as a teacher, as a leader, learn to create, of course, you, you want to challenge people, but they should fundamentally feel safe. The moment they feel unsafe, then all the irrational behaviors start. 
So what can you do to create atmosphere like that, where everybody feels safe? There's a lovely talk by Simon Sinek who says, you know, the best leaders, they really make people feel safe. They make people feel wanted and, and, and they need it. And he gives examples from uh, the army and, and the armed forces where people are willing to die for each other. That's the level to which they, they work together. And then the neocortex. This is where your thinking comes and your understanding, logic, rationale, all that, all that. Also. And that's very, very important. But that's not going to be available to you if the other two are so in such a, such a, in, in a crazy place. So for that reason, pause and feel. And now we can come to the neocortex. Now intention. What's your intention? Right. So I made you begin with an intention. You know, I choose to have a conscious session. I choose to have a lighthearted session. I choose to learn something significant in the session. The power of intention. Prioritize. Highlight. When you make a highlight, chances are it actually happens. One simple thing I've learned is when you wake up in the morning, create a highlight for the day. Because the moment you have 5, 10, 20 things on your to-do list and your mind is already too scattered, you're already overwhelmed. But just have one highlight for the day. When you have one highlight for the day, chances are you'll get it done. But you have a clear focus, even partly done, and you have a sense of accomplishment. I got it done, or at least I began on it. At least I initiated it. Anything can be begun in two minutes or less. It may not be completed in two minutes or less, but can be begun in two minutes or less. There's in fact something even called the five-second rule. Just get started. Don't, don't, don't say, I'll get to it. No, just do something now. Five-second rule, initiate. Once you get the ball rolling, then the momentum will come. Get it going. Right? So begin. The hardest part is beginning. Once you get started. So get out of the thinking process, get into the doing mode. And that's in that, in that case. Move. Highlight. Move on. So like that, create an intention. And the one with the clearest intention has the most influence. The great leaders have always had very clear intentions. A vision. But not just a vision, they really believed it, they lived it. They felt it in their bones. And when they felt it in their bones, they were able to communicate it to other people as well. They were charismatic for that reason. So don't just think it, also feel it. Think it and feel it. And then you are it, you're living that. There's a nice phrase for this. Uh, let's say it together. What I vocalize, what I vocalize visualize, visualize, and emotionalize, and emotionalize gets actualized. So just two days back, without naming the person, uh, a lady reached out to me uh, who said that, Nitya, help out. Uh, there's a big family crisis happening. We have uh, two members of the family are really fighting with the parents. Property dispute, basically. And uh, this person is very concerned. Big family, you know, they're like, she's like, why can't we just be grateful for what we've got instead of getting into this big tumultuous thing and the family is really in, in, a, in a tight situation and she said whatever I try to do backfires when I say things they say oh you keep quiet <laughs> why are you talking so much so uh, all I told her was you use the power of intention use the power of intention I sent her a small video you can go to YouTube and look for it it's called the miracle of love put my name Nitya Shanti the miracle of love it's a 10 minute it's a 10 minute practice and in this practice you think of the situation and you continuously send loving wishes to, the, to those people and that situation, you think of the best possible outcome. What are the best that can come out of this? And just keep sending loving wishes continuously. Let it just try this once or twice a day. Because right now you're also upset, they're also upset. <laughs> and upset cannot really heal upset. You both actually the same level of consciousness. You've got to shift your level of consciousness. And she wrote me such a beautiful message last evening and this, and this morning saying, you know, my brother called me, he's not been speaking to me for two, two, two months and he called me, we had a very nice conversation. My other brother also called me. 
and now they've come to an understanding. It was literally in two days. From what was seeming like a complete stalemate, in fact, one of the brothers had actually walked out of the house, convinced him to come back. Why? It's not some magic. It's the change of state. She went through a change of state from being worrying and concerned and affected and operating from her own personality, which again, they were, they were resisting that, right? She shifted her state. She came to a state of genuinely wishing well for everybody. Not taking sides. Why are they troubling my parents? No. Genuinely wishing happiness for everybody. Wishing well for everybody. She changed her consciousness. When she changed her consciousness, people respond. People respond to your state of being, not to who you are. They can sense. Deep down, we can sense. Our pets can sense, right? Our pets sense when people walk in, whether they want to approach them friendly or they, they're not sure of them. Pets can sense. Animals can sense. We can also sense at a deeper level. We can sense people's intention. So to clarify the intention, head and heart and whole being. And so there are countless examples of this. I've been sharing these things for many years. And it literally, you can almost call it a miracle because the, the mind doesn't make sense. How can it be? How is that possible? I was telling Prerna today about a friend of mine. This is about nine, ten years back. He was working in the microprocessor, in the microchip industry. There are very few companies in the world that make microchips. There's Intel, there's Texas Instruments, there's maybe AM, AM, AM? AMV no longer makes them. AMV also doesn't make them. So what happened was that uh, he was working, he, was very, he had a very specific skill set. And he left a job in one of these companies. He said, Nitya, there are only three companies like this in the world that make this. And I don't know if I'm ever going to get this kind of job again. You know, and I'm stuck and I don't have... And he was very concerned. And I said, well, if you're in a state of being so concerned and so worried, then even if you get an interview, chances are you're going to go with that worry and that concern. You'll not even do well in that interview. You've got to change your state. So just like you played a game right now, I made him play a game. I thought, okay, now let's imagine I'm meeting you six months from now and you're in your ideal job, the ideal team doing exactly the work you want. What is it like? And not, I hope it happens, say it like it's happening now. So he began describing, okay, I'm in this team, and we're working here, and we're doing this exciting project, and you know, I'm really loving my work, I can't wait to get there. And he's talking, talking, and as he's talking, his phone rings, and he puts it off. And then again, it rings, and they tell me, take it, I don't know who it is. Somebody had found his resume online and said, hey, you know, uh, can, I, can we have an interview? <laughs> what? In that moment, this is the resume he posted a long time back. Nobody responded. And just as we're doing this, the phone rings. And a week later, they have a meeting, and he gets a job. And you could just say that's a coincidence, but in my world, that's not a coincidence. The outer world is reflecting your inner world. When you change your state, it's like, you know, the radio, when you change the, the band you're on, the frequency you're on, you receive a totally different set of news or music or whatever. You change your band. Right? So when we change our state of being, what we experience is completely different. If you ever want to watch a powerful documentary, look at uh, look up something called Lady, The Lady in Number Six. The Lady in Number Six, about Alice Sommers. It won the Oscar for Best Documentary a few years back, in 2015. And Alice Sommers was the oldest living, or at least one of the oldest living, Holocaust survivors. She lived to 112. And she was a concert pianist. And she was so good at the piano that when she went into the concentration camps, they made her play the piano there as well. And the guards and the prisoners would feel up. They said, for that time, when you play the piano, for that hour, we don't feel we are in a concentration camp. They would get transported. She said, ill people would get healed because that's the power of the emotion. And guards would come and whisper to her, thank you. Guards would come and whisper that. So she went through a concentration camp, which was the most ghastly experience. And she came out of that. And she never lost her, her, her positive mindset. 
So this is a great example of 1990-10, you know, the 90-10. So for her, only 10% was what was happening. 90% was her state of being, and she went through that. The powerful documentary, and she says, and she, she's 100, 100 and whatever, 11 or 12 in that, when the documentary is made. And she's so full of life. And she says in this, and she's in London, she says in this apartment building, I'm the only one who smiles here, nobody smiles. <laughs> and she's been through so much in life, you know, I'm the only one laughing and smiling, everybody is so serious, everyone's so sad all the time. She played so well, and people knew what time she would play, so people would gather below her, uh, beneath her window outside and just listen to her playing. She was a world-class concert pianist. She had memorized so many concertas, whatever they're called, and she would actually remember from, from, from memory she was playing them in the prison, in, in the concentration camps. That's how good she was. So put things, she was saying, put things into your head, but then nobody can take that away from you. Put that, make that a part of your being. We shouldn't depend so much on our apps and our phones and everything. Put stuff, because when you lose that for whatever reason, it should be a part of who you are. And how do you make it a part of who you are? You think it till you feel it. And you feel it till you are it. You change that inner self-talk that you have. Change the story, change the state. And then from that, the right strategies will also emerge. So we learn to pause. We learn to feel. We learn the power of intention. The power of intention is you don't be a victim again. You choose how you want to see this. You choose how you want to describe something. It can be helpful to write it down. Because some of us, we get stuck in our own heads. We keep tripping over ourselves. So write it down. So one thing I began doing when I first began teaching was I would write down my intention for that session before it happened. And I'd start with the statement to say with me, wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be? Oh, no, no, sorry. How do I write? Yeah, let's say it together. I am, I am so thankful, so thankful. Now, that. now that. So for example, I'm so thankful now that you know, everyone who showed up got so much out of the session and we had so much of laughter and that uh, you know, they didn't even notice how the time went. And at the end, some of them came and shook my hands and told me that was exactly what I needed. Thank you so much. <laughs> and I would write all that down. And not, not I hope it happens. I wrote it like it's already happened. It's done. And sometimes I write on exact quote and people are coming and saying, Nitya, this was, I've been coming here for many years and this is the best talk I've ever heard in this place. Someone came and told me that. And literally at the end of the somebody come and shake my hand, Nitya, I've been coming here for many years and it was a really best talk I ever heard over here. It's amazing. And I said, what's going on over here? The outer world is a reflection of my inner world. When I give myself permission to experience that, I experience it. So here's a really powerful statement. Please say with me. We don't get, we don't get what we want. We get, we get what we believe we deserve. Right. So in our life, you're not going to just get it by mere, mere wanting. Mere wanting is not going to give it to you. Deep down, what is your self-belief about yourself? Until that shifts, nothing is going to shift. How do you shift it? Become aware of your self-talk. Script it up. Write down the best possible outcome. Write it like it's already so. A nice version of this, uh, some, there's an entrepreneur who gave a uh, YouTube talk about his ways of journaling. He writes down what sucks in his life. <laughs> All that sucks, his weight sucks and his finances suck, whatever sucks, right? What sucks, what sucks, what sucks, write down. But don't stop there, you become a victim. So if this is what I don't want, then what do I really want? Okay, so the next few pages, this, this is what I don't want, this is what I really want. Really want, really want, really want, really want, really want. In terms of life, in terms of career, in terms of the way you live, in terms of what you're doing, what I really want, really want, really want. Don't stop there, that's wishful thinking. Now how am I gonna make it happen? And he would literally take out, he would literally, like in your calendar you have appointments, he would take out two times a week, an appointment with himself. 
to work out how they're going to make it happen. And you know what? When you give concentrated, when you make that the highlight of your day, the priority for your day, I'm going to figure this out like a puzzle to solve. If that's the kind of place I want to live, if that's the kind of life I want to have, if that's the kind of thing I want to do, then what would it take? And you give it focused attention. We can solve anything. We've made you know nuclear bombs and we've put people on the moon and done all kinds of crazy stuff by giving it focused attention. You give it focused attention, you'll solve it. We just don't give it the time that is required. We're waiting for something to happen in our life. So show up, give it the thought. My friend Vineet and I, at least once a year, we sit and we do this. He helps me with my programs in India. And we just, we talk about, you know, what would we, what would we like to experience more of? So for example, a few years back, we said, okay, we're having a lot of clients coming up for one-one session, one-one program. We'd like to have long-term clients. And how can we do that? So we put, put our thoughts to it. We began to, and you know what? That year, we had lots of long-term clients. We had very few short-term clients, long-term clients. Okay, we've been doing a lot of sessions that are, you know, uh, one days, two days. Let's have more residential sessions. Maybe intention. And that year, we had lots of residential sessions. We had retreats here, retreats there, retreats everywhere. Why? Because we decided what we wanted, and we began to talk about how we're going to do it. And we came in alignment with that. And guess what? That was our experience. The kind of work I do now, I, I travel all over the world, and I share things I've learned with friends. And it's not just about work, it's also about play and enjoyment. Uh, Prerna knows her house is full of board games, because I carry my board games with me. <laughs> I play games with people. That's what I, that's what I, I said. I just don't want, to, I don't want to just work, I want to play. I want to have a playful life experience. I want to learn, and I want to share, and I want to do it in a playful way. And that's my highlight, that's my intention. And to a large extent, that's, that's the way it goes. Because I clarified that for myself. So again, the power of intention, clarify your intention. Vision boarding is good because I, you know, so you know, whatever. I take a take a large chart paper and draw it out, or stick up pictures of it. Give yourself that input, but don't just want it. You should feel that you deserve it. Do you really deserve it? Why don't you deserve it? Some belief you have about yourself. What are you going to do about that? How are you going to release that belief? One of the ways of doing it, I mentioned it earlier, is something called tapping. You tap certain points in the body. You just just try with me. Tap the side of your hand and say, even though. I'm not sure I deserve this. I accept myself. Even though that seems to be too good to be true, I allow myself to have that experience. Even though, in some ways, I resist that. I'm open to new possibilities. So you tap on the side of your hand and you say, even though something, and you fill in the blanks. Like, even though I'm stuck or even though whatever, you fill in the blanks. And now take two fingers of both hands. And just tap. So what tapping, what tapping does is, it's working with your body, it's working with your unconscious mind. And the process of tapping is rewiring your neural networks. The act of tapping. You just find things work faster when you tap. Right? Just experience it. Take two fingers, start tapping your eyebrows. And just say with me, I let go. All the doubt, all the doubt, all the shame, all the shame, all the guilt, all the guilt. Side of the eye. I choose to let go. I choose to let go. All the heaviness, all the heaviness, all the traumas, all the traumas, all the evidence, all the evidence that I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Below the eye. I allow myself. A new experience. A new experience. New energy. New faith. And below the nose and below the lip, start tapping. 
I'm open, I'm open. to a whole new perspective, so to fresh new energy. Fresh energy. energy. Call upon. I choose to be at peace. I choose to be in a receptive state. I choose to be inspired. Side of the body, all is well. Everything is supporting me. Life is my teacher. Top of the head, I can't wait for what's coming up. Life gets better and better. Everything is perfect and keeps getting better. Hands down, deep breath. And release. Just be quiet for a moment. Inhabit your whole body, feel your whole body. about tapping, and you can search online for tapping or for EFT, emotional freedom techniques, the cool thing about this is that when you're tapping on something that's bugging you or bothering you, for example, I'm angry with my brother for maybe saying something behind my back, for example, you know, why did he say that behind my back, why can't he just come to me and talk, why are you talking to others, I'm so upset, I'm so upset, and I'm tapping the side of my hand, and all these points, so angry, so upset, when you tap on what's upsetting you, it gets neutralized, when you tap on what's inspiring you, it gets accentuated. Right? So I deserve this, I'm welcoming this, I can't look, I'm looking forward to this, it gets accentuated. In other words, things begin to flow. And emotion is energy in motion. Energy in motion is emotion. What's an unpleasant emotion? Energy that's constipated. <laughs> energy that's not in motion is an unpleasant emotion. But energy that is in motion, in flow. And Prina talked about you know, being there, just feeling good, getting goosebumps, you know, just thinking about that. Because why? Energy is in motion, energy is in flow. You're moving, right? Things are moving, things are flowing. Be expanded and you can facilitate that of course thoughts will do it but it's nice when thoughts words and actions come together that's when things are most powerful so we're tapping thoughts plus words especially you say it aloud preferably say it aloud of course in your place you can't say it aloud that's different but say it aloud think it say it feel it vocalize visualize emotionalize you start to actualize you go through a state change when the state changes everything changes the story spontaneously changes and the strategies become more accessible That's tapping. So we've talked about pause. We've talked about feel. We've talked about intent, intention. You can write it down. You can visualize it. Main thing is to feel that you don't just want it, but I deserve it. And how can you raise your deservability? Sometimes you actually got to do stuff to raise your deservability. Go and help someone. Feel, feel that you're worth it. <laughs> feel that you're good enough. You know, I went for my first three meditation courses were very difficult. Very, very, it was like a torture. My fourth meditation course, my teacher said, this time don't meditate, help others. So in other words, you're not going through the meditation process, you're just helping others who are meditating. I had the deepest meditation. And I said, what's going on? I'm, I'm meditating only three hours a day. These people are meditating 10 hours a day. I only get to meditate three hours a day, but I'm feeling so much more connected. He says, because your act of supporting them, helping them, you're in a state of loving kindness. Your act of supporting them, you're feeling that you deserve peace as well. Just like you say, they deserve peace and you're taking words and actions to support their peace, you're allowing yourself to experience peace. In other words, what we're doing to others, we're doing to ourselves. 
So deservability goes up. Your deep sense of, you know, the universe you inhabit changes. Because when you live, when you're doing kind things, you inhabit a kind universe. When you're doing hurtful things, you're unhappy. You're living in a hostile universe. What we're doing to others, we're doing to ourselves. Also. So intention. <coughs> and the last one is connection. Because we don't live isolated in this world. We live together in this world. So connection. By connection, I mean see the best in others, bring out the best in others. See the best in yourself, bring out the best in yourself. See the best in others, bring out the best in others. So this includes listening. So listen more deeply. This is a lifelong skill. There's no quick way around this. But because when we're listening, we start planning what we're going to say. We get excited about what we want to share. Right? We say things like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Let me tell you my experience. But you just cut them off. They're never about to finish what they're saying. So the first thing with listening, let's say together, pause. When someone finishes speaking, doesn't mean they're really finished sharing. They may have finished speaking, but they haven't finished sharing. Maybe there's another layer to it. So pause, breathe. You don't have to immediately talk. Let there be spaces, let there be some... Don't be enjoy conversations where people aren't just waiting to say the next thing. Slow down a bit, it's all right. Not everything has to be the express train. You, know, you can pause at every station. <laughs> you can gap, take a little gap. So pause. And then question, instead of getting into your story, check with them. You know, so tell me more about that. Is this what you're saying? Is this what you're feeling? Is this what you really want? You know, what's it like? What's, what's your world like? In other words, help them open up that little bit, expand more. Why is that important to you? Say more about that. These are really good questions to ask. And that allows a person to experience themselves more fully and open up and they share. And then you reflect back, this is what I've understood. This is what I've heard you say. This is what I sense you're feeling. This is what I'm, you're wanting. Is it, have, I got, have I understood? And the person says, wow. You know, and even I've understood more about myself, thanks to you. This is really powerful. And so much life can become so much easier if instead of always focusing on giving advice and giving connection, you can just create space for connection. So my favorite quote is, let's say together, connection, connection. Before, correction. before correction. So before you try to improve people or fix people, slow down and listen to them. When you listen to them, what happens is they start listening to themselves and say, what kind of rubbish am I believing? <laughs> you know, because when they see, hear themselves speak in that in a, in a non-hurried space, they start realizing what's going on. They become, because you see, we don't, we're not even aware of our own thought process sometimes. We're just so wrapped up in ourselves. So it's like a detachment happens, a spaciousness happens, presence starts coming in. So this is a real gift we can give each other, the gift of listening. In the earlier days, the doctors had all the time to listen. Right? They would not only talk to you about your disease, they'd say, how what's going on at home? And what else are you doing? And, what, and they were listening, they were getting the whole context of what, not just the ailment, but the whole context. You're saying, oh, I've got this uh, migraine headache, I've got this back neck pain. But you, he never asked about the divorce you're going through. <laughs> he never asked about the, the child who's not listening and the teenager who's... But then that's also contributing to it. But you're also fixated on the physical ailment. You know, recently, I took my mom, she, was, she had a fainting spell, we took her to the doctor. And the moment she sat down, she described her symptoms. This man began writing a prescription. I'm like, wow, you have you barely even heard what she said. You're already writing a prescription. Let's assume it's the right prescription. We're going to have no faith in your prescription. Because you never took a moment to really understand what's going on. You're such a rush to get out and say, okay, I know what it is. It's a syncope, it's this, practice this. No, 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 you haven't even, you haven't understood. So there's no faith. So whenever we give very knee-jerk advice, or very quickly we react, it lowers the quality of the connection and the trust actually. You build trust by being a good listener. You build trust by checking your understanding, by appreciating, and by basically seeing the best in people, reminding them of what 
you know you know to be the light in them that's the power of connection so authentic speaking deep listening and seeing i this is called giving an a benjamin zander called it giving an a given a when the students come in class benjamin zander you know is one of the uh, you know philharmonic orchestras he's one of the uh, top conductors in the world and when his class comes in he writes a big a on the board your grade for the year is an a it's an a we haven't even done anything yes it's an a and how do you get the a you have to write me a letter describing who you've become at the end of the year to deserve this a and then he says fall passionately in love with what you write now off you go they're supposed to write a letter about who they've become at the end of the year to deserve the a and these some of the students have always felt inadequate about their musical skills you know sometimes even at a high level you always doubt yourself like when i went to mba school i went to one of the better mba schools in india and one thing i found out from my classmates was everyone felt i'm an imposter i don't know how i got in i don't really deserve to be here it was an accident <laughs> and this is so common i'm sure it's common in the us as well in ivy league colleges i'm an imposter i don't belong here it was an accident it's not an accident everyone feels like that right so to acknowledge to see the best in each other so to bring out the best so benjamin zander said a you're great for the year than a write down who you would have become at the end of the year to deserve the a and fall in love with it you know what he just did vocalizing visualizing emotionalizing a whole new outcome and then actualizing so many of his students go on to become world class musicians could he understand how transformation happens not prove to me and then i'll give you a grade he says you are an a of kids when they're first so curious and a lot of the times in work they they you know in my company we have a lot of brainstorms and things and a lot of meetings and a lot of people with opinions so you go into these almost from a blank state you know so that you you go in with questions and curiosity not as a pre-established you know set of thoughts or um, advice that you're going to give you're going in with Kind of like a, a child's mentality Lovely. in a sense. So, so you mind. said they're kind of spark connection for me. Yeah. So that attitude of a beginner's mind is yeah. so important in connect, because otherwise, again, we have immediately the moment you open your mouth, I know, you know, I told you so, you didn't listen, why nobody values my opinions, and we get into our own story mm-hmm. instead of really getting curious about what's going on with that other person. There's a story about this girl, Sara, and uh, in the class, little girl, and the class, the teacher says. So Sara, if you if I give you one apple and I give you another apple, how many apples do you have? Sara says three apples. No, no, Sara, you I give you one apple and I give you another apple. How many apples do you have? Three apples. What's wrong? The girl's not getting it. Let's change the fruit. Okay, I give you a banana and I give you another banana. How many bananas do you have? Two bananas. Fantastic, you got it. Let's go back to the first one. I give you an apple. I give you another apple. How many apples do you have? Three apples. How can you have three apples? <laughs> I'm giving you only two apples. I've got an apple in my bag as well. <laughs> and the teacher didn't really tune in. So what's going on? Because she only actually being honest. I only have an apple. You're going to give me two more apples. I'm going to have three apples. <laughs> right. So this is what happens a lot of the time. We we've made an assumption, and then we're operating from our assumption. And so this is where we end up getting trip. We trip over ourselves. We trip over ourselves. So one good thing with connection, this is just a, it's a good life skill, is to become aware when you're emotionally activated. Emotionally activated means your face gets a little warmer, hands start trembling, your thoughts are racing, your breath has changed, you're probably sweating a bit, heartbeat's gone up, 
emotionally activated, you have a little bitter taste in your mouth, emotionally <coughs> activated. When you're emotionally activated, be very, very cautious. Proceed with caution. Now, everything you say and do, because this is not your neocortex operating anymore. This is your primitive brain operating. This is your mammalian brain operating. This is fight and flight response operating. So now what you say, chances are it's going to backfire. Chances are it's going to miss the mark. So, a lot of parents have learned this time out. <laughs> this is time out. This is what I, I believe in, time out. At that time, anything, like, the, you know, in, in the cops do it in the US. When they arrest people, they say you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you. Because in that moment, anyone who's getting arrested has gone straight to their fight and flight response. Who likes getting arrested? They remind them, you don't have to say anything. You have the right to remain silent. Because what you say might be used against you. So let us ex exercise our right to remain silent. When we are activated, okay, time out. Because I'm, chances are I'm going to regret what I say and do right now. So let's revisit this an hour later, a day later, a month later, but not right now. Because right now I'm activated. I need to change my state. I'm not in a healthy state to engage in right now. This is a skill we all need to learn. And of course, we're going to miss, and we're going to make them. We're going to we're going to get it wrong. But then life will give us feedback. It is you know you blow your top and you feel in that moment yeah that person deserved it. But then now you really shut, the other person is shut down. They're defensive. No one's really. And then it takes a long time to heal that. Right. And while the heart does heal, the scars take a long time to go away. Because what we say in those angry, you know, once you've launched that arrow, you can't bring the arrow back. Once you've said those hurtful things, a friend of mine, you know, in anger, she told her son. Her son was grown-up son, but he was for a long time doing things she did not like. And one day she was in anger, she said, I'm sorry I gave birth to you. And that hurt him so much. He says, you're sorry you gave birth to me? You're not sorry yet, I'm going to make you sorry. And the relationship got much worse from then on. I mean, he just, he was like a tyrant living at home. He'd do everything that bugged her, everything. Right? If you didn't like clothes on the ground, he'd empty out the entire wardrobe and put it on the ground. I mean, everything you can imagine. There was captive chaos at home. And that time she met me. And she said, I don't know what to do. I said, yes, you said things that were very hurtful. So now, same practice I mentioned to this lady, miracle of love. Don't say anything to him. You change your own state. You sit quietly for five to ten minutes every day and you send strong, loving thoughts and feelings to your entire family, especially your son. Surround him with light. Surround him with love. And see yourself in your minds, you know, begin with end in mind. Before it even happens, see both of you sitting and having a nice conversation, going for a walk together, sharing a coffee together, whatever it is. See yourself, see the best possible outcome before it happens. And see it till you feel it. And she writes to me 10 days later, I said, I, I can't believe it, there's been a huge shift. Things have really changed. You know, at a deep level, we can sense. We think thoughts are private, thoughts are not as private as we imagine. We can sense people's thoughts. So when you're continuously having those kind of thoughts, you may not say much, but people will sense something is shifted. When, you're, when they're saying something, you're not being as reactive as before. They can sense. It takes two to tango. So when they're playing the same game, but you don't play, choose to play that game anymore, then you're setting yourself free. And they may or may not join you, but you have definitely set yourself free. Right? So you've done your bit in the equation. And there was a huge change. And since then, she's been regularly inviting me to her town and we regularly have sessions and her son also attends sometimes. It's beautiful, right? So again, we get more empowered. We don't have to be a victim of our circumstances. We can choose to change our way of looking at things. Again, come back. Inhabit your whole body. Throughout the, throughout the day, keep coming back. Inhabit your body. Get out of the head and into your body. 
Notice your breathing. Fill in the blanks for the statement. I am stepping into a state of, and fill in the blanks. I'll start. I'm stepping into a state of deep contentment. Stepping into a state of trusting life completely. I'm stepping into a state of gratefulness. I'm stepping into a state of patience. Stepping into a state of smiles. I'm stepping into a state of amazement at what lies ahead. Just get inwardly quiet, and everything that's been shared today, everything that's been spoken today, all your own insights, inner memories, perceptions, let all of it integrate in that silence. Let that wisdom be deeply available to you. Let there be a consolidation crystallization of what you've learned this evening and let it go deep inside your being every cell every DNA strand is getting updated
you're entering a new dimension of consciousness, a new dimension of possibility. You're becoming aware of the power of presence. after me. There is power within me and I'm here to express it. There is magic within me and I'm here to express it. There is infinity within me and I'm here to express it. There is love within me and I'm here to express it. Take a deep breath. Open eyes. All right, everybody. Very nice. Does anyone want to say something before we end? What I'm hearing you say is that that deep listening itself is a kind of meditation. It's it's you know you're when you're with the other person, it's almost like a, your eyes are open, but you're in a kind of meditative state. You're ready. You're tuning into your body. You're tuning into your emotions. You're aware of what you're thinking. You want to say. You're aware. Of, you're also aware of the other person's state of being. So it's kind of a meditation in relationship, meditation in communication. It's beautiful. Let's all say how wonderful. Go ahead. I think what's fascinating is when you say if you think it, then you feel it, then you achieve it, or you actualize it. And I think that what makes that so interesting to me is that it's actually scientific as well. It's to your point, you talk about the different parts of your brain and from stimuli to response, and there's real data behind that as well. So I think that's so interesting that you know you, you truly can train your brain to, to think like that. It's not just it is obviously in your in your head, but you can train literally the the way your brain thinks, and that's it's fascinating. Fantastic. That's also how wonderful. Oh. <laughs> now the next thing is train it how to fly as well. Yeah. <laughs> <That's next. laughs> uh. <laughs> Meditation. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
one of my teachers said the real miracle is not walking on air the real miracle is not walking on water the real miracle is walking on this earth in other words that's a miracle you know to be able to walk and those of you who are little kids who are struggling to even stand you understand some miracle to be able to walk on this earth with your feet touching the ground and to breathe and to see that's a miracle it doesn't have to be some extraordinary thing that most ordinary thing is a miracle so when you walk on this earth with open eyes and he he has a beautiful phrase tiknathan he says how does he say it? that every step you take a lotus blossoms there what does it like to walk in a consciousness where every step i'm taking a lotus will blossom there what kind of consciousness would that take right so that kind of a a feeling that kind of a state of being when we my bowl one last time enjoy the sound and don't just listen to the sound feel the sound